0: Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast. Your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner, Will Lomas. We are marked safe from the coronavirus, I believe. I don't know. I guess. I guess we all three realistically could be carrying it because it's has that like two-week right. dormancy period. Yeah, so we're still waiting, holding pattern. Still waiting. Let's hope. We are are over Skype. We are not in person, uh, so we are are social distancing as best we can, Um, and if you enjoy what you're listening to today, you can follow the show on social media, at No Nonsense, both Twitter, excuse me, at No Nonsense Pod, both Twitter and Facebook. You can also subscribe to or follow the show wherever you are listening to get easier and faster access. ...to all of our new episodes. Boy, we've got a lot to talk about today. This is our first of probably two free agency recap episodes. Um, And a lot has happened. The NFL was virtually the only major sports league or even minor sports league that kept on schedule in the midst of the coronavirus outbreak. And so we got free agency on time. And I have a list in front of me of just major topics to talk about. and I think I have like 12 things written down just because there's there's several Titan stories, a couple of big you know national stories. Uh, it, it has been a very active free agency period, one of the more active that I can remember. Uh, so first thing I will pose is, you know, in the midst of everyone's self quarantining and you know, all that's going on, it's been a nice respite to have free agency and to have something to not, you know, to not escapism, but but something to do and to think about and, and talk about.
1: Uh, I, I, yeah, you say not escapism, but it really did feel like an escape just because so many like terrible news was out there, you know, and just the just this whole situation has been has really taken a toll on a lot of people. But mentally, you know. Emotionally stuff like that so this was a really good break from that and kind of like a return to normality you know like this was supposed to happen and, and it was concerning that they may have pushed back free agency because of this but they kept it to the same dates. And I think they kind of knew the n f l kind of knew that we needed this uh so they kept that and it's been it's been i don't know it it really has helped getting through these last couple of days, which have felt like a legitimate year already it's crazy but um i'm I'm glad we've gotten n f l news to 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 keep us uh keep us you know um in a in a sense of sanity
2: yeah it's weird uh When the NBA can't, I think that's kind of when everybody was like, "Okay, time to really pay attention in America. And that's not necessarily when it was at its worst or, you know, when we should have paid attention to it. But that's when it became real and affected everybody involved. So as soon as that happened, as soon as March Madness got canceled, all that, I think the world kind of froze because we didn't. We didn't know what to do without, especially in our world, but we didn't really know what to do without sports because so much of the media we see and the content we consume has to do with sports that when everything's shut down, now you're like, okay, that was distracting me from this other stuff that was going on. Let's look at that. And then all your attention is focused on that and it all kind of hits you at once. Um, I think it's... I don't know, I, it's hard to say that sports are important in a time like this because so many people are going through so many like major issues. But I do think there's a lot of value in having something that the you know, the country as a whole can look at and it's not constantly like death and fear and all that. So, you know, for me it's it's been a good distraction for all that, especially if you're gonna spend your time at home locked up with dial soap and hand sanitizer everywhere. It's like, you know, there's only, there's only so many times you can, like, you know, watch movies or play games or all that kind of stuff before you start getting stir crazy. And it's nice to see that the outside world is still moving around.
0: And, and it kind of was interesting sort of how rapid it was that, that the nation started taking this really seriously. I, I, think, I think the nation always took it seriously, but – Nothing was you know shutting down to the degree it was. Like last week, I spent uh, f- I spent four days in New York City, and the the last night I was there, I, I saw a, a show on Broadway, and it, it's a new show and it was really popular. And so there wasn't an empty seat in the theater. And this was Tuesday night, and literally two days later, the governor of New York said no more Broadway for until you know early April. And so that for me was just kind of like a. I barely escaped sort of getting out of that, and my flight back to Nashville was half empty. And you you certainly started to see the effects of of everything at that point. So let's hop into the football stuff though, and and we'll just start kind of chronologically with the first domino that fell for the Titans, and that was quarterback Ryan Tannehill getting a four year contract extension with an average annual value. Of twenty nine and a half million dollars. Your thoughts?
1: I thought it was very reasonable and exactly what we thought it would be. I know, Luke, you you pretty much nailed the <laughs> you pretty much nailed the entire contract on its head. So <laughs> that was impressive stuff. But I just I, I I was getting upset when it happened just because everyone was all the ad- analysts. I'm doing air quotes. Analysts <laughs> were. Um, we're just kind of panning the Titans for making this decision for extending him long term. Um, and then the full contract details come out and you realize it's like a pretty safe contract for the first couple of years. Um, and John Robinson did a great job. And I don't know what his other option was. Paying paying a 43-year-old $30 million per year was not the move. Uh, paying Jameis Winston was not the move. Trading for Cam Newton was probably not the move. Tannehill was fantastic last year. He was at the very least, a top 10 quarterback in the league. I, I think that's that's um, underselling him, to be honest. He was probably top five uh, for the duration of his time as a starter. And I just don't understand how you couldn't bring him back, uh, at least for the next couple of seasons. Yeah, it's
2: – to me, and I think we've talked about this before, is that the, the idea that Brady specifically was going to come in was always strange, like – it was a lot of dot connecting because Vrabel and Brady knew each other and, you know, they had a great connection, all that. But it, it never made sense schematically with what the Titans did. It, it just it never made sense and it never passed the smell test. And looking back on it, you know, there were rumors, especially late, that it was all like a leverage play. And just to, you know, get the agents representing Tannehill to kind of bump his number down, whatever. Who knows if that worked? But if that's the difference between getting the contract spread out like it is and another way where it's just a static like $30 million per year, I mean, that's the difference in, you know, whoever the Titans end up getting in free agency beyond this point and like having to stop right there. And it's probably the difference in keeping Derrick Henry like I don't know if you could make that deal work if you're paying Tannehill $30 million a year this year. So I think it was a good move like. I, I, I've been pretty open about how I didn't like Tannehill. I don't think anybody liked Tannehill when he came over initially just because it, you you don't watch guys all the time I mean, necessarily. I I've always liked
1: Tannehill. Yeah. I, let me, me, let me too. I I always li- – I live in Miami. Yeah, I'm around Dolphins fans all the time. I always thought he actually got a bad rap. Um, his last season with the Dolphins was terrible. Uh, I'll I'll admit he was really bad. He was coming back from an injury, and it 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 was terrible. But I always thought he got a bad rap here from Dolphins fans during his time. And I
0: think
2: hold on, let me let me let me readjust and say it like this, just so I can kind of cover my bases. I think we were all pretty. Against the idea of him coming in having a strong start and signing a long-term contract, I yes, think we thought that was absolutely. the worst-case yeah, scenario. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, but, honestly, you could probably go
0: back to the episode we did after that Chargers game that he won, and that was a topic I remember we brought up: is Is there a scenario where they resign him, and we're all like, no, no, no chance? And we yeah. didn't rea- we didn't realize yeah. that he was going to play at an MVP level for the next eight weeks.
2: Hmm. So you know. All that being said, like, taken into account, it's like, sure, maybe he regresses. But, I mean, is he going to regress into Andy Dalton? Like, is he going to regress into, like, a middle-tier quarterback? Probably not. Like, there's no indications that he ever regressed at any point during his time with the Titans. They're not losing anything on offense except for Jack Conklin. Like, you know, I I don't know. The idea that he's going to regress just because he has in the past is – one that I don't think makes sense when you look at what players have done outside of Adam Gase when they've been allowed to leave that penitentiary. So, you know, I I tend to think that this familiarity and consistency in an offense for the first time in what feels like a decade will help the team rather than hurt the team. And it also helps when you're averaging 30 points a game for several weeks in a row, including a game that you should have won against the Saints where Derrick Henry didn't even play. So I'm I'm – all for this contract now, especially the way it's structured. You know, We'll see as time goes on. We'll see if they draft a quarterback to back him up and maybe be the quote-unquote guy of the future. But for now, just be happy you've got a guy that works really well in your system and there's no projection.
1: Yeah, and we've talked about Tannehill's floor, like what his worst is, and it's exactly. really not that bad. And when you consider what quarterbacks are about to make this, this offseason, next offseason, and the one after that, $30 million for a quarterback is probably going to end up being average. So, I mean, I, it, in my opinion, this was this was a good contract.
0: Well, look, the whole reason that I projected uh, that, that Tannehill would get what he got, it really came down to his situation was very similar to Jimmy Garoppolo, aside from the fact that he had much more starting experience. So I thought he's going to get more than Jimmy Garoppolo but I didn't think he would cross the thirty million dollar threshold because that's where Matt Ryan is. And so I thought Tannehill had the leverage to get more than than Garoppolo, but the Titans had the leverage to give him less than Matt Ryan. And and that did end up coming to be where it was. And I think number one, it's totally fair from a financial standpoint. I think it's it's fair for both sides of the equation. You guys mentioned that Tannehill is a is a great fit. For this system, I asked him that on a, on its conference call on on Tuesday about if you know him to evaluate how he fits in the system, and he immediately sung the praises of Arthur Smith. Said, "I love working with Arthur Smith. I think it's a it's a good relationship that we have. Looking forward to to, to keeping that going." And look, the Brady was probably the alternative because the, these national people who are like, "Well, they shouldn't have they shouldn't have done that." Again, the alternative was Tom Brady, and
1: he's just not a fit. He's just not a fit yeah it didn't that, that never made sense to me and i i don't know if the titans ever like seriously considered tom brady uh, i i'm sure they they you know pondered the idea and thought about what it what it would uh what it would take what it would mean for the team and, and for their future but i really we didn't think it was a fit like you said and we didn't think it made a lot of sense to bring in listen i know it's tom brady but at some point he stops being tom brady and it's very possible that at forty-three years old and going from the place he's been at for twenty plus years to a completely new setting um that could be lead to, you know, the start of the end for him.
2: Yeah, and buying into name value is how you end up with guys like Dexter McCluster and Michael Ower and <laughs> so many of these guys who the Titans have paid and like teams like the Redskins and Jets, you know, have paid in the past a bunch of money just for the value they bring You know, when you look at a roster and then they go out and underperform like they were always meant to do, and everybody's mad at the GM. Like, at a certain point, you have to have a GM and an ownership group or an owner, I guess, who can just look through the BS and say, okay, this guy's better than this guy. They're both going to cost the same amount, or the worst guy's going to cost more. I just have to live through the, you know, three or four months of bad publicity that I might get, and then trust the process. And it's shocking how many people can't stomach that three to four month period, and instead just completely panic and do something that they know is not the right move.
0: Yeah, and I think that that you guys have nailed it. It's just it's an issue of, like, why enter the realm of unknown if you don't have to.
1: Right. It's just it's just not worth the risk, really.
0: Getting a phone call from Minneapolis, Minnesota. I'm going to decline that phone call so that we can now. That's Diggs. And uh, that's... I was about to <laughs> uh-huh. say. It. Wow, it's, that's it's wow. Stephon Diggs. Uh, the next domino that fell was Derrick Henry receiving the franchise tag. Uh, this move has gotten some criticism. From the Titans' standpoint, a lot of people have said they should have done it the other way around. They should have extended Henry and franchise-tagged Tannehill. Um, Tannehill even said on his conference call that he wishes Derek could have gotten an extension. So there, there's really a couple of angles we, we need to talk about. Let's start with this angle though before we get into actually analyzing the uh, the, the financials and 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 roster construction element of this deal. Is it disrespect for the Titans to do to Henry what they did? Because I say no
1: no th- this is a business. We all know this is a business. You do what you have to do for the franchise, which is your business. yeah, it's I don't know. I don't want to call people dumb because you know
2: that's mean, but people that say <laughs> this are dumb like there's okay the same people that say that they shouldn't do this and you know, they should, they should give him a huge contract and they should give him whatever he wants are the same people that if he went out and had a three and a half yard per carry average next year would be screaming for them to cut him. Like it's the same people that 90% of them wanted him to be traded or cut, you know, 18 months ago. Like it's, it's so, so weird to me how overreactive people want to be. It's, The business, the guy just got a bunch of money guaranteed. If he goes out and does his job really well, like everybody expects him to do, then he'll make a bunch of money. There's no disrespect there. It's just an opportunity for more money.
1: Yeah, I remember a certain running back coming off a big season with the Patriots and all the Titans fans wanted him on the team. His name was Deion Lewis. Uh, Where is he now, two years after? He's cut. So I don't don't really understand this. I don't know how many more – Like, bad contracts for running backs around the league we need for people to realize that it won't work. It doesn't work. Paying running backs just does not work. Yeah, I mean,
2: ask the Rams and ask the Falcons and ask the—I mean, ask Dallas, who paid (laughs) Ezekiel Elliott so much money that they couldn't keep Byron Jones.
0: The Texans are doing
1: it
2: now, too.
1: (laughs) No, I know. They're (laughs) literally—
2: The the Texans will not only pay pay free agent running backs, but they will trade for a running back every five weeks if you let them.
1: Oh my God, man! I don't get it.
0: Yeah, um, but you know Henry. Let's get into the financial aspect. You know Henry was the centerpiece of the Titans' offense last year. Look, you can sit here and argue till you're blue in the face. Was it Henry or was it Tannehill? It was both of them. Okay. And 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 this offense without Derrick Henry looks a lot different. And whether you want to make that look like it's a handicap on Tannehill or not, you know, it it just it is what it is. This team runs a lot better when Derrick Henry is out there. We saw them against the Saints. It was not pretty with Dion Lewis. Now granted a lot would be better than Dion Lewis. Um but you gotta keep Henry, and these people who who tried to make it out like it was some kind of either or scenario were were making a false dichotomy. You can keep both of them, and
1: they did. Right, and at a very reasonable number for Henry. I mean, I know it's still a lot for a running back, but you know the 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 tag number went down. I think it was twelve million last year for a running back to get franchise tags. Now it was ten point two, so that really isn't too bad, and. I think it's a very smart, logical move because now you have him for one year, and you can actually see if this is a sustainable form of offense. We we've seen it for a year and a half, I think. Yeah, yeah, a year and a half of him like just completely owning defenses uh, and carrying the entire offense. If he does it for another year, then yeah, go ahead, give him a give him a big contract.
2: Yeah, and you know, look at the Rams. Like I I talked about it before, but. For less money, the Titans have Ryan Tannehill and Derrick Henry, like, than the Rams have for Jared Goff and, uh, Gurley. Todd Gurley, yeah. So like, I was thinking <laughs> TG3, and I was like, that's not his real name. Uh, <laughs> so, so, I mean, you know, it's not like they did, they had to break the bank to do it. they got both guys under contract for this year. Every year in the NFL is year to year. Like, it doesn't matter what your contract says. Like, if you've got guaranteed money beyond a year you're either going to hurt a team or you know you're just guaranteed likely a a position on the roster like it doesn't the idea that giving him so much money giving him a four year deal for 80 million dollars would make him feel respected that he's respected when everybody on the sidelines puts a crown on his head and when he's the league rusher like a leading rusher like He's a great running back. Everybody knows about it. It's just they couldn't figure out a contract that works right now. It's not disrespect.
0: Yeah. It, it, and it, it, Like you said, Matias, yes, it's business. And the players have the, the franchise tag and their collective bargaining agreement, and they can't pitch a fit every time that, that this happens.
1: Yeah, we also don't know that Henry would have gotten more than the franchise tag number. Well, and then so that's on, the, like a normal
0: contract. And and that's the last thing I wanted to pose is do we think Henry plays on the f- franchise tag in twenty twenty, or that this is just a placeholder for something long term?
1: Well, I wouldn't be surprised if they strike out a long term deal, but I think he'll play under the franchise tag. He's not gonna hold out. Look at no, what happened with yeah. Melvin Gordon. He held right. out and then he had to come back. In the middle of the well, season, and and Le'Veon yeah. Bell
0: too, kind of proved that that's exactly. a futile strategy. Right. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. holding out for running backs. Not, back, knocked, it's not by the way, he's still out there in free agency, so like that's not not a viable strategy. Yeah, and
2: the latest rumor is that teams aren't quote unquote aren't even close to his ten million dollars a year that he wants, and that's not guaranteed money like Henry's is. So, I mean, it. We saw Austin Eckler get what like six million dollars a year or something. Like he got nothing, and he was. Eight. Do what? I was wasn't eight.
1: It eight a year? Yeah, that it well, might, it might right, have been six that. Million. Oh, there we go. See,
2: um, but it was ridiculously cheap for how you know talented he is and versatile he is and how he can do anything for you. Now he was also a restricted free agent, so he didn't have as much leverage. But at the same time, like it, it, it wasn't ten million dollars in leverage he didn't have. Like. We, we've just got to admit at this point that the running game is not as important as the passing game. It doesn't matter as much. It doesn't affect the outcome as much for 90 percent of the teams. And I think Henry is lucky to be on a team like the Titans, who does appreciate that and who, you know, they want him to succeed. They want to use him. It's not it's not like they're just franchise tagging him to run him into the ground. Like, I, I believe they want a long term deal with him. But, you know, it's not one of those situations where the team is abusing the franchise tag.
0: Yeah, um, and one thing I will pose quickly, I don't want to spend too long talking about Brady to the Buccaneers because we have enough Titans topics to get to. Um, I'm wondering why the Patriots, if they were so intent on keeping Brady, didn't franchise tag him.
1: That might be a disrespect thing. (laughs) Yeah, uh, that might be like, you have given us six Super Bowls, we're not going to franchise tag you. I guess that's right.
2: The way it works is it was a player option, right? So, like, uh, he... Because he voided his deal. But he's still and an unrestricted free agent. I don't know if that's how it works when you're... When you have... Uh, when you have a team or a player option. Because... I think if you void that deal, you, <laughs> you can't, they can't, they
0: can't then just say, sorry. And then
2: <laughs> Yeah, they can't say, just kidding. It's not really a player option as much as it is like a false choice. Like I think if you decline your option, your quote unquote player option, which is why we see him so rarely, uh, you just get to be a free agent. Like I've, and I think it's in his okay. contract that he couldn't be franchise tagged.
0: I think that's going to um, be fun. Him in Tampa Bay. I love Bruce Arians. You guys know, I love Mike Evans. um, and I think that it's a, it's a good fit. Get him a, uh, someone like a James White um, to, to go along with Ronald Jones, and I think you've got a, a good model for an offense. And the defense is loaded, too. Love Levante David. Oh.
1: Over under 800 yards for Mike Evans. Oh, Over. Big time. Okay. Okay. I know, I know Brady really can't throw deep anymore, but I don't think it will matter. Plus, yeah, he's he- playing in warm weather, which I think will actually help him a good amount yeah
2: it's it's gonna be really interesting to see if he can get like his pop gun arm to get mike Evans anything deep because well, God-
1: like Godwin's gonna go nuts
2: yeah that's the thing is like it's it's easier to like it's it, it i don't know if Mike Evans really gels with the way that uh, it's almost like think about it, like if uh, Brady was with Hopkins, it's like they could do great things together. But I can't see him like hitting a long sixty yard bomb down the sideline. Like right. I don't I don't think he's willing to throw up those YOLO balls that Deshaun Watson and uh, Jameis sometimes throw up. So look, look it, Brady's not what he once was, but
0: he's certainly not washed. I mean, watching him no. in the playoffs last year, I went back and watched that Dolphins game that they lost, and I, we talked about this when it happened. Every pass that he threw was in was like around people because none of those awful receivers he had, save the occasional play from Edelman, could get open. And so he's going from throwing to people no one has ever heard of to Mike Evans and Chris Godwin and OJ Howard and Cameron Braid.
1: OJ Howard, figment of our imagination. <laughs> yeah, By the way, the i just
2: champion <laughs> of the Bucks.
1: I just saw I just saw a report that uh, Deion Lewis could be going to the Bucks to reunite with Tom Brady. So Would I'd be- love that. Would love no. that.
0: <laughs> I want Tom Brady to do well. Oh man.
1: Come on. I was trying to I'm trying to get Dion. <laughs> Whose report right. is this? <laughs> Big Deion Lewis fans. <laughs> Benjamin. Oh CBS
2: Sports, okay. Adam Schefter. I'm just, I'm
0: just kidding. Um, I mean it that, makes sense. Uh, I don't know. Lewis is washed. Okay, let's not harp on the Bucks too much. Yeah, yeah. how dare you talk about Lewis? But anyway, um. Dennis Kelly versus Jack Conklin, that was a decision the Titans were faced with at right tackle, and they went with the former, choosing Dennis Kelly to be their starter on a three-year, $21 million contract, and electing to not give Jack Conklin the $14.5 million per year that he received from the Cleveland Browns on a three-year contract. It's a risk, and that's what I wrote about when it happened, because... You knew what Conklin was as your full-time starter. You knew that he was cut out for your system. With Kelly, you know what he can do in a spot start here and there, but you've never really seen him operate for more than three or four weeks at a time as the guy. It's going to be interesting. I don't know that it'll work. It certainly could. But the Titans clearly, in that situation, elected to go in favor of the money rather than in favor of the stability.
1: Yeah, this one surprised me, just because not only the number figure that Conklin got, we all thought he was going to get a lot more money um, because you know everyone is starving for for offensive line help. Um, but the fact that the Titans didn't pay this is kind of. I don't know. It's weird to me, and it makes me feel like they they weren't really sold on on him as a player, um, which surprises me. But I mean, I, I guess it makes sense. I I've never been a huge fan of Conklin, but I did think at the right number we should have brought him back. And I think at fourteen million per year, that was that was worth worth that money. Um, but they got Kelly on a really good contract. Uh, we thought he would get more too. We talked about that also um he's always been good at filling in when he's had to step in for conklin he's looked really good and he's also looked good uh, at left tackle when he's had to step in for luon at times so um i'm happy we got him under contract just so that there wasn't a huge hole at right tackle um but seeing some of these other contracts like brian bulaga for 10 million dollars going to the chargers that i would have liked that one probably more than the dennis kelly one
2: yeah. It, okay. So here's the sort of disconnect in the average per year and uh, the Conklin and Kelly contracts because I don't think the official details on the Conklin so, contract yeah, has been announced. I was gonna
1: say I'm looking at Spotrac and it says his contract was three years, seventeen point two five million. Is that right?
2: No. His because he's making twenty million dollars in 2020. Is the that's that's the. Uh, not uno- not official but that's like the unofficial word is that his cap is so front loaded into year 1 that he's going to make a bunch next year and then restructure after the new CBA like that's his plan so um I don't, I don't remember who reported that but i do remember seeing that so if he makes $20 million and counts $20 million against the cap in 2020 Dennis Kelly is making 3.5 million dollars this year you're basically saying that is Conklin worth eight times as much as Dennis Kelly? And at that point, I think you just have to say no. Like, is Conklin worth another premier free agent and Dennis Kelly? And I I, I like Conklin. I think, I'm, I think I'm the biggest Conklin fan of the three of us. I, I really respect what he does. I think he can do a lot with power. I think he's more athletic than people give him credit for. But at the same time, like, I, I don't know – that there's a better. I, I have a hard time describing this. I don't know if the quality of the team is better if he's there and you don't add anybody else, or if Dennis Kelly is there and you add, you know, let's say Jadavian Clowney or so, you know, somebody like that. Like I just think you end up a better team with that small Dennis Kelly contract. And then if it doesn't work, it's not like you've got a guy who you spent. You don't have Noah Fant – or not Noah Fant, um, uh, the Fant that went uh, uh, to George
1: yes, – George Fant.
2: Yes, George. Yeah, sorry. I should That guy made name $10 because, million per year. Yeah, he's Ow. terrible. Yeah, he Eric Flowers deal. got like, an extension – got a contract from oh, the yeah. Dolphins. Yeah, for also for $10 million. So it's like, you know, would you rather pay one of those guys and be stuck with them or pay a guy in Dennis Kelly who you're like, at the very least – you know, he cannot completely embarrass himself on the right side. Yeah, like, he's, not, he's he, not, he will not
1: tank me. the offense.
2: Correct. So In it's that, like, yeah. So it's like, okay, like, you know, at the very least, you have that. And that's good. Like, he has a pretty high, high uh, floor, even if his ceiling might not be as high. But yeah, I, I think, I think it was the right move. And it hurts me to say that because, like I said, I, I wanted Conklin. I thought franchise tagging him was a no brainer. But, you know, we're here and, because of the money situation on both sides, it kind of makes sense.
1: Yeah, this also allows them to get someone in the draft, maybe in the first or second round, who they may like. I don't, I have, I don't know any of the tackles. I know you like the guy from Georgia. Um, both of them actually, both tackles. So uh, it'd be well, interesting to see if they target that position.
0: And Joe, I haven't really gotten into draft prep yet, but I keep hearing from you know the Daniel Jeremiah's of the world
2: that this is a pretty deep class at tackle. It, it, it is deep, but it's only, like, six deep. Like, it's not a class where you can find somebody in the second or third round and feel really confident about them. But you can really say that about every year. Like, if you look historically at the draft success at offensive tackle, it's really first round, and that, like, first round is about a 50% success rate, I believe, is, uh, you know, it's quantified through PFF, so, you know, asterisk. Ugh. But... But, like, I I just – if you're looking at the only quantifiable data we have to say, you know, quote-unquote success or not, the success rate on offensive tackle drops, like, from 50% to I think it's, like, low 20s. It's something significantly smaller. And then after that, it's just you might as well wait until the seventh round because you're just as likely to get one in the seventh round as you were in the third round. So, you know, if you look at it like that, You really have to find somebody you love in the first round or you're just going to kick it down to day three and just say, okay, you know, we're going to draft a developmental guy. He probably won't work. We'll roll the dice and see what happens. But it's not a position where like with Nate Davis, like you can find guards pretty much at any round in the draft. Like it's okay to draft a guard in the third round because they exist, but finding a tackle in the third and second round, like sure. You can Google players and like, look them up on Wikipedia and try to find somebody who eventually made a pro bowl. But if you look at the number of guys ta- taken, and even if you go back and watch those drafts where they're like, I really like this pick for so-and-so nobody has any idea. If you fall to the third round, there's enough question marks about you where, unless you just got busted for smoking weed, you're probably not a very good player. Which doesn't and even matter now, anymore. It doesn't matter anymore. So, you know, um,
1: yeah. I mean, if if you don't have coronavirus, you're probably getting drafted. I think yeah, that's, that's the new. That's a new that's, thing. That's the, the new, new weed. Like, the new <laughs> yeah, weed.
0: If you, if you on gas on, gas, on the weed it, issue, can can I say this? Does Josh Gordon now like?
2: Is that I over he's now? Immediately reinstated. I, I think they said that today. Is that they said that. Uh,
0: and Do then, what? like, and then, like, he doesn't get suspended play anymore. It. Like, he just gets to play.
2: Yeah, I think it retroactively. Yeah, it retroactively like wipes the slate clean. So you're unsuspended. I believe the report was today that Goodell is overseeing it directly. Um, so guys, I like, when you
1: I completely missed that.
2: Yeah, I think that happened this morning sometime. That's in the new uh, CPA?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No more. The, no more.
0: Uh, failed tests for weed.
1: Oh yeah. my God! This the most logical thing the NFL has ever done.
2: Yeah, and they raised the minimum wage, which is why J.J. Watt was – shout out to J.J. J. Watt – was like, uh, I don't like this new deal because it paid people that weren't the top on the roster instead of just paying the top guys on the roster. Right. So that, that was, that's a big, fun uh, character-revealing moment where I'm sure he'll pretend like it was because of something else. But, I mean, he, he wants his money.
0: Well, always a big fan of J.J. Watt. When when we come back okay. from this, when we come back from this quick break, we are going to dive into what really were the two biggest moves for the Titans in free agency: a blockbuster trade and then a signing to help the pass rush. We'll get into both of those things. Talk about what we think in thirty seconds. All right, we are back. Let's hop into what was probably, or so far anyway, has been the biggest move the Titans made, and that was the somewhat surprising trade of defensive lineman Jarell Casey. Now, I say somewhat surprising. Will, you have been on this for months. I believe it was back in probably December where you were sitting there saying, they need to trade Casey. They need to move on from Casey. Casey's sort of washed. He's not that good anymore. And we can get more into that in a second. But I think even with you saying that, it was still sort of shocking in that there was never a rumor of like, you know, Wow, the Titans may be shopping Jarrell Casey. It was just boom. Jarrell Casey's a Denver Bronco now in exchange for a gift card to cookout. Basically,
2: he got they got a seventh round pick for him. Yeah, so I, I think well, I'm I'm trying to go back and look through our DMs. Uh, there was a point where I asked, uh, "Oh, okay, it was." Uh, less than an hour before the trade happened. And I'll just say what I said, and I won't reveal what y'all said, but I said a uh, random question, would you cut Daquan Jones for Jadavian Clowney? And my thought process was, and has been for a long time, that the Titans are way too invested in defensive line. They were paying uh, Casey $11 million, and then I think it was $13 million each year after this year. And they were paying Daquan Jones uh, $8 million Ah, uh, for this season, and that—that's just a lot of money for guys who aren't getting sacks. So, you know, and they also drafted uh, Jeffrey Simmons in the first round. So, it seemed like a weird allocation of resources when you consider, like, if you cut one of those guys, you probably can keep Conklin if you like really want him. But so I, I sent I sent that question out, and you know, we talked about it for a little bit. But I've always thought that Drew Casey would retire Titan because he was so instrumental to the team i thought that you know the locker room he was a great guy there and by all reports he is but at the same time like when you watch when you watched him play last year and (laughs) I, i just i it it wasn't evident two years ago, but there were times when there's a lot of pressure on and a lot of blitzes and he was just the free man. And then if you look back to last year, there's a lot of times where early in the season, he will get a good push and then he immediately falls down or gets knocked down or he's close to a sack, but not quite there. And after the bye week, the Titans eventually had to move him out basically to play edge in their four man front because they were running low on edges and because he was the odd man out in the middle cause he just wasn't getting any sort of interior push. So, you know, to me, it always made sense to try to trade Jarrell Casey. It's a very Belichick move, which I think we had said before, but it just seemed for a franchise like the Titans, it's pretty emotional, like from the fan base to like the actual ownership. Like there's a very big commitment to like, You know, bringing guys back, like having guys walk out on the field again after so long, like it it seemed like it was almost too cold-blooded and too New England for it to ever happen. But uh, the Titans did it, and it's not – I mean it it is a salary dump, and that's true, but it's not like they traded – you know, you'll hear the term "pro bowler" thrown around a lot, and that's true. But they didn't trade some stud for a seventh-round pick because they were trying to get rid of cap space. They traded a guy who, I love Casey. It's not, you know, not a knock on him, but I mean, that's I guess it's a little knock on him. But he was going to be a backup defensive tackle, or he was going to be playing ahead of somebody who was more productive than him. Like, you know, you can look back at the stats, you can look back at the film, whatever, and you can argue with me if you want, and you can be wrong. But the fact is that Jarrell Casey is not the guy he was last – in 2018. And 2018 Casey is not the Casey we saw before that. Like, he he's starting to have diminished returns. And at 31 years old, you just – you can't pay a guy that big chunk of cap space when you've got other positions that need to be signed. So, you know, I've talked about it a lot. I think it was the right move to trade him. I think the pick feels low. Like, a seventh-round pick is nothing – but you know you have to trade something. I think it was. I don't. I don't think they were ever going to cut him. I think they just wanted to kind of like have a clean break and for him to go somewhere. And maybe they had a sixth round offer from you know somewhere else. But you know, I, I we don't know that. We don't know that situation. It seems like Casey was not privy to his name being thrown around in trades. But you know, at the end of the day, I. I'm sure they talked to him about a renegotiation or they said it at some point and it just never worked out. But this is the move that on paper, if you take your heart out of it, makes the most sense for the Titans.
1: Yeah, so here, I, I'm, go ahead. No, I was just going to say for the past two seasons, consistently, we've talked to each other and we've been like, you know, Casey's just he's not getting pressure. He, he doesn't look as good as he used to in the past. Uh, and he would go on these stretches where he was just pretty much non-existent. So for us, this wasn't really surprising. We've kind of seen the writing on the wall, but I, I will say getting a, only a seventh rounder for him did was surprising.
0: Yeah, and what I'm going to say is this. It makes sense from a financial standpoint. However, and this might be a will question – Both of the perceived replacements for Casey, that being Daquan Jones and Jeffrey Simmons, neither of them is a traditional three technique, which is what Casey was. Simmons is certainly more of a one technique, and Daquan actually played mostly nose tackle over the center last year. So where is their I guess pass rush outside of the guard going to come
2: from? I mean, it should come from Simmons. Like, I know that he's not like a little undersized three technique, but when you watch him, I mean, the Titans move him all over the defensive line anyway, but when you watch him and he's in, you know, second sevens, third and nines, like whenever they can get him in in situations that might be pass rushing situa- situations, he is really effective. Like he's so strong. And once he locks hands on you and starts driving, there's very few defense or a few blockers that have been able to like set their anchor and really like lock him down. And even then he's, it's kind of weird to see because he's so long and so big, but he he's 300 pounds, but it just looks like you've kind of taken a defensive end and like put sweaters on him. Like he doesn't look fat. Like he doesn't like, he looks really strong and just like in like a slow motion defensive end. I, I mean, He looks good and it works. He's super strong. But there's times where he's constantly moving and looping around and stuff. And I saw people – this this is, again, not a knock on Casey, I guess. But, like, there's people that will play highlight videos of Casey getting a sack or Casey getting pressure. But when you look at it, it's like – Jeffrey Simmons taking on a double team and like throwing the center out of the way, and then the other guy just not being able to stunt over to Casey and taking Simmons because he's the first threat, and you know, Casey getting back there. But I mean, you could put Simmons at three technique and you would get more pass rush than you've had from inside in a long time. Like, he's not limited in anything he can do.
1: I, I don't think so either. He's a really good pass rusher, he has been since college, and uh, I mean, he's the same weight as Casey. He just he just looks bigger
0: and He's just more six massive. 6'6", or 6'5". Yeah, that's the problem. <laughs> and and, and I am, to your point, Will, I'm excited to watch Simmons get more time as a three technique because traditionally the one technique is more of a space plugger, just sort of do what you can and get in the way. And we saw Simmons doing a lot of that this year. And so I look forward to seeing more of him maybe getting single teams getting a chance to get to the outside shoulder of the guard and see what he can do from a production standpoint.
2: And I should also say there's several times uh, last year where they lined Simmons up, head up with the tight end. Like, he's not limited at Like, they trusted him in space to kind of set that edge if they needed to. Like, they're, they're not worried about him and his athleticism. So well, and, 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 you, you know, know
0: what, what we kept hearing about Simmons when they took him was, you know, he's going to miss – you know, half the season with an injury, but, oh, they're getting a top five quality player. We're going to get the chance to see whether that's the case now. Is he a top five quality player? And if you think that he is, you need to give him some chance to rush the passer and not just plug spaces.
1: Yeah. I remember when we drafted him, we were kind of like, this is probably the Jarrell Casey replacement eventually, right? Well, the, the time came a little sooner than we probably expected. But yeah. yeah, I think he's gonna get a chance to show um show off some of his pass rush ability from, from that position.
0: Someone else yeah, who I mean, Oh go ahead,
1: Will. I was just gonna <laughs> say it it'll be
2: really interesting because you know that historically they've done Vrabel has done weird things with his defensive tackles on third downs like he like last year he spent so much time walking up linebackers i i almost am interested to see this year if he goes to like the old school like four defensive end quote-unquote on the field at the same time and he gets another defensive end in free agency and then he and simmons both line up at defensive tackle and then you have uh We'll talk about him in a second, but Vic Beasley and Harold Landry on the other side, like that package works. Like, I mean, there's no way you can single team a bunch of guys like that. So I wonder if he moves away from trying to be too creative and clever and goes back to what most teams do and what works for a lot of people.
0: Another player who will probably get opportunities to show his pass rush ability for the Titans was their really only free agent signing to this point. Uh, Vic Beasley. The um, yeah, it's almost like he left Atlanta with the Scarlet Letter. Uh, I, I was seeing some very negative tweets from Falcons people, fans, and and even I think I saw a reporter in the in the tone of like good riddance. Very odd, I think, from that perspective because that's not usually who we see john robinson going after the players that the other team can't wait to get rid of but it happened and i don't it's very interesting
1: yeah i mean i don't know what he did to falcons fans and writers i i really don't know i guess i just expected more from him i think the chief thing was he there were a lot of criticisms about his effort right his motor yes but that seems to be a constant issue with anyone I see Texans fans talking about it. No, I see Texans fans talking about it with Clowney also. So I don't, I don't know. This seems to it's be this like, generation. It, right? It, yeah. Right. It's the millennials, man. It's, Ruining football. No, but I feel like I really feel like reporters and fans just resort to saying, "Oh, his motor's bad." If the guy is just actually struggling to to generate pressure. And a lot of the times that just, that just isn't true. So I don't know. I, I don't know how much stock to take into that. Regardless, Beasley still had eight sacks last year, which would have been second on the Titans behind Landry, only one behind Landry. So I don't know. I would have taken it. Granted that it's a, given that it's a short deal, a one-year prove it deal, I think Beasley is probably going to have one of his more productive seasons of his career um, this season, just because that's how, the player like players are motivated by money. That that's usually how it works, and I don't blame them. I, I'm motivated by money too. That's how it yeah. is. Um, I mean, go ahead.
2: Well, I was going to say, I think Glennon, uh, John Glennon, said this is that he obviously performs really well in contract situations because uh, this was a contract year, and he ended up with eight sacks, and you know he's never had less than five. So. Let's say he performs at the bottom end of his ability even though he did lead the, sack, lead the league in sacks one year. I'm not a big Vic Beasley defender or anything, but I feel like we should tell both sides of that story. So, like, if he ends up being a five-sack guy and he's opposite Harold Landry and Harold Landry bumps it up from nine sacks to ten sacks, just gets one more sack. I mean, 15 sacks from your starting edges is not great, but it's more than the Titans have had in, I guess, like three years at this point.
1: Yeah. I agree, and I—I'm not it, it, a huge Vic, Vic Beasley fan, but coming out of college, I thought he was like he was going to be the next big pass rusher. Me too. Uh, and it seemed that way after that second season of his. Um, but I don't know. It's been weird. Maybe maybe it is the effort, like the fans say, or maybe um, something just just went wrong. But I f- I have faith in Mike Rabel t- to get it to get it corrected because he's a really good coach, a very good defensive coach, and he doesn't take lightly to players not giving their all. So two questions about Vic Beasley.
0: Number one, is he here with the Titans to be a starter, or is he going to have more of what? the kind of role that we saw Cameron Wake have last year where it's just sort of a situational pass rusher. And then question number two, is Beasley's skill set a redundancy to Harold Landry's skill set? Because I remember when Harold Landry was coming out, my comparison for him was Vic
1: Beasley. The second question, yes, I do think they're a little redundant, but I don't think it's the worst thing in the world to have two really quick edge guys. Uh, I don't think it handicaps you um, on passing downs on running downs. Well, are there even running downs in the NFL anymore? I don't even know. But I I do think he's going to be the starter unless we make another move in free agency. Uh, wink, wink, Jadavion Clowney. That's <laughs> like the only, yeah. the, the only guy. Cause if we get Clowney, he's not starting. Beasley isn't starting, but on passing downs, Oh my God, I I really want Clowney just because I really want to see a defensive front of Jeffrey Simmons, Clowney, Beasley, and Landry, rushing the passer. I think that would that would be just outstanding. Yeah, and you I could th- even go, I,
0: you could get them all four on the field at once.
1: Yeah, of course, especially because Clowney's a really good uh, run defender, especially on the interior. So that would that would give you a lot of a lot of options as a defensive coordinator. Who I don't know who our defensive coordinator is, but he would he would have a field day with that. Yeah, neither did did. I.
2: Yeah, like I think I think you're right. Like that that is the dream. But going back to the questions, I I said as soon as the signing happened. Well, first off, as soon as the signing happened, I was terrified. It was for like four years because that those kind of long term commitments. Because that's what we were seeing is a lot of three and four year deals. That that's what was going around at the time, you know. I think Robert Quinn had just made uh, like ninety million dollars on a five-year deal or something. Like, so I was like, oh man. So I really thought they hitched their wagon to Vic Beasley for a long time. It's just a one-year prove-it deal. So that's you know, that's great, like we talked about a second ago. But uh, initially, I was very confused because I thought that Roberson would just step immediately into the Cameron Wake role because. I mean, what did he play, like like 12 snaps in the Saints game, and he got two sacks, and then he had a sack against uh, the Texans a week later, and he played like 20 snaps or something. So it it looked like they had their kind of jackrabbit, like guy who's going to line up outside and just burst up the field and get back to the quarterback. Then they also drafted DeAndre Walker the year before, so it felt like what they really needed was Jadavian Clowney, like a guy who could – play base end in first in, on first and second down and be that guy. And what they got was Cameron Wake. So I, th- I think that's what they're going to get. As for the redundancy, I mean, yeah, like it, they, they, have, they are probably redundant in that they're both really good athletic speed rushers on the outside. But, and you know, you're going to hear a lot about how guys need to have developed skill sets and all this to be elite pass rushers in the NFL. It's just not true. Like, I mean, you look at D Ford, Frank Clark, like a lot of these guys, I, I mean, Bosa really wins a lot with his outside rip. Like, I mean, uh, Dwight Freeney won a billion times with an inside spin move. Like, you know, Von Miller wins outside. The point is, is like, you really don't have to be a complete player. You just have to be really good at one thing. And if you're really good at one thing, you can wait about four or five years in the NFL to adapt. Like, or teams will have to specifically scheme for you and send a tight end over. And then at that point, you just need another one of yourself on the other side to make a play. So for Landry, that's been Derek Morgan two years ago, which is not the same skill set. Then last year, it was Kamala Correa, which – it, it well, I should say it like this. It was Kamala Correa after Cameron Wake wasn't around. But when Cameron Wake was around, they both did the exact same same thing anyway and it was really effective like that they were great on third downs together but you know I-, I guess it is redundant but it's something i wish they had you know three or four of not just two of
0: yeah um i'm a little shocked as, as we wrap up the beasley discussion the rams just uh cut todd
1: Gurley. yeah that was man what a that that's for the for the paying running backs crowd i think but um it's crazy how the nfl just changes from one one day one season to the other it really is crazy but more important news uh luke's favorite player clay matthews just got released also so we could bring him to the titans
0: Oh my gosh. Big overrated
1: player in nfl history <laughs> is
0: clay matthews uh, the predator, excuse me. And you know who I, you know who I blame? I, I blame Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth because it it is insufferable watching it. Sunday Night Football when Clay Matthews is playing, or even when he's not playing, like when he's hurt. Well, you know the Packers or, or, or now the Rams or or whoever new team is going to be, you know they're really going to be hurting I, tonight because Clay Matthews isn't going to be out there. It's like, what does he do when he is out there?
1: Look at, look at his lung flowing Goldilocks hair on this play. Amazing, amazing, Chris.
2: Goldilocks, <laughs> the, the most intimidating person with long hair in history.
0: <laughs> last, last question before we get to stop the nonsense, and that's uh, at this point, we're, we're recording on, on Thursday at, at around 2.30 p.m. Central Time. What's next for the Titans? Because, you know, Jadavian Clowney is floating around out there after the Casey move, which and I think it's important to note that Casey move was likely for some purpose. It wasn't just freeing cap space for the sake of have, have of of having cap space. And so, is it Clowney? Or are they going to bring back Logan Ryan? Or are they going to bring in both of those guys? What do you think is next? Because something clearly is
1: next. Hmm. I don't know. What I do know is <laughs> we, need, we need a defensive lineman after this Casey thing, and we still need a nickel cornerback. So we'll see if they attack it in free agency or they leave it up to – well, I assume they're going to get at least depth in free agency at those positions. Um, but we'll see if they go after a big money signing. I wouldn't be surprised if Logan Ryan comes back. I wouldn't be surprised that's what I was gonna
2: say you, you took you took my because <laughs> I, I think you know I'll go ahead and jump in with this but you look you know they really need a nickel corner uh Nickel Roby Coleman is out there and he's really good in the slot like they need somebody to play that slot role and I think they're really scared of getting burned by speed receivers there but at the same time you know if he if he's willing to sign a short term deal like he says he is like he said he is today for 10 million dollars you know it's it's not the worst thing in the world to run it back he's not too old you've just got to make sure you use him correctly mm-hmm. and you can't be as passive on third downs because if you leave him in space with somebody quick he he's not going to hold up but you know it seems like a very we traded Casey. Like we need somebody in the locker room. Who's a real strong leader. I just, it felt so weird the way the whole thing ended. Like, I don't want to say it felt bitter or anything like that, but if if he was the one guy that as soon as the season was over, it felt like, you know, he, he knew he wasn't coming back and everybody also knew he wasn't coming back. So that, you know, that was a real weird vibe. I don't, I don't know if something happened there or whatever, but um, if it's not, if it's not him, I mean, I think the rumors are now that it's between the Jets, the Titans, and uh, the Seahawks for Jadavian Clowney. Clowney. Or at least those those are the popular names. You know, there's always wild cards who are you know bidden in, in in the background. But I mean, if Clowney's gonna willing to take a short contract, or he, you know, what whatever's going on there, I I don't know. Like it just makes so much sense. And I've written plenty of stuff, and I've talked plenty of times about it. Like. Sign Clowney if you can. Like, if you sign Clowney, you get you can get much more than you got from Casey last year, and it also gives you a ton of different ways you can go in the draft. Especially if you somehow manage to sign Ryan and Clowney. But that's I think that's a pipe dream. But still, like, give yourself the option of you know drafting a slot corner in the draft instead of spending money on a slot corner in free agency. But you know if you're not going to do anything with the money, then at least just go and get Logan Ryan.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. Well, we're going to wrap up as we always do with our Stop the Nonsense segment. Usually this segment is just us reading tweets that we have found to be egregiously uninformed or, or you know, Facebook posts or, or, or whatever. But I think we can maybe all agree that we're just going to spend our Stop the Nonsense segment this week Talking about the trade that went down with the Houston Texans and the Arizona Cardinals on Monday. Yeah, so if oh, you oh, have a if you sense? have a tweet, save it for next time, um, because
2: this needs to be addressed. <laughs> well, Who's uh, starting? I, I, let I, me start. I, I have plenty of vitriol. I, I, <laughs> I can go on this. So we've seen Hayden Hurst and uh Mohamed Sanu both get traded for second-round picks in the last, what, probably four months, I guess? No, five months, maybe. So we know kind of the level of player that you should get when you trade X player for a second-round pick. You know, it doesn't really matter the age when you're in a pinch, and it doesn't really matter the position when you've got time and perspective, but there's generally kind of a sliding scale on, okay, this is the acceptable return value depending on how badly you need that position. So when you say that the Texans traded away one of the best receivers in the NFL for a second round pick, a pick that will not be higher than what the Titans used on Doriel Green Beckham, like a pick that will not be higher than what the Titans used on Justin Hunter. And every team is not the Titans, especially not from that era. But the <laughs> point is, is, those picks were both praised as, you know, this is the next guy. Like, what a steal at the top of the second round. Go back and look at the picks that are made in the top of the second round, and look at how few of them turn into pro bowlers. Kevin, Dodd, and that's at the top that's a the John Robinson round. pick. Yeah, like I mean, even the great ones make mistakes. So, like <laughs> you, you know, you look at it, and to trade DeAndre Hopkins for a second round pick is so so I mean, dumb.
0: I mean, look, we but, we keep throwing around this phrase. He's he's a top whatever receiver. I put him as number two. I would have Julio Jones as number one, Hopkins as number two, and uh, then Mike Evans as number
2: three. Wow, I thought Mike Evans was your number one.
0: No, I, I, thought you I love were in Julio.
2: Love with I, Mike Evans. Okay, okay. Uh, because I, I thought once you saw him in person, you were like, "There's no other human built like Mike Evans." He's, well, that is true. Is a Terminator sent from the future to come back in time and play wide receiver for us. Uh, so, okay, like, but even then, like. It, it, there's only so many of those humans out in on the planet Earth, and Hopkins is one of them. And like, if you look at him on paper, he may not be, you know, six three and run a four three, or you know, six five and you know, really athletic like Mike Evans is. But when you watch him on the field, as much as I do not like to praise people in the AFC South, it's oh, I guess I can praise him now. Like, you know, the way he catches passes. That I mean, he how good he was allowed Deshaun Watson to have the confidence to become the player he is now. There were so many bad passes early in Deshaun Watson's career where DeAndre Hopkins just kind of said, you know, I'll take that over the top of a defender and, you know, saved an interception just by being super physical and pass interference at the top of his route and creating space. And, you know, he – Allowed Deshaun Watson to get away with making some dumb mistakes and you know throwing some stupid balls and progressing the way he should have and kind of having the ideal scenario for any you know young quarterback other than the offensive line. So for him to go to Arizona is, uh, I mean, it's amazing for them. But I guess the point of the segment and the stop the nonsense is the rumor behind all of this is that. The Texans were well. I won't. Uh, there's multiple rumors, but the rumor I'm going to talk about is that the, the Texans Michael were Irfan? shopping. No, no, not that one. Is <laughs> that uh, the Texans were shopping him around to a couple of people, and I think it's the Bengals, the Eagles, uh, the Cardinals, and the Patriots were the teams that have been linked to like potential trade destinations. And you know whatever about the teams that don't, you know, didn't end up with him because. It all started because uh, Bill O'Brien was trying to get a running back is is the rumor? Is that Bill O'Brien was trying to get a running back? And Gosh. the trade this trade was initially reported as the Houston Texans have traded for David Johnson.
0: okay. yeah, yeah. That, I, I was gonna I was gonna say that because how this all came about for me was very hysterical. It all happened. I was eating lunch. and this whole thing, like it started when I started eating lunch. It was over by the time. So the first thing I sit down to eat lunch, and I see the tweet where it's like, uh, "The Texans have been have had trade discussions regarding John Dre Hopkins. Nothing is imminent, and they would have to be blown away by an offer." I'm like, okay. And then about ten minutes later, I see, uh, you know, the the David Johnson cap dump getting reported. The Cardinals have traded David Johnson to the Houston Texans. I'm thinking, like, okay, that's an interesting deal for Houston. You know, maybe you can squeeze a little bit out of David Johnson, who used to be. Uh, so good and um, and see what happens and then like five minutes later I forget who it was I want to say it was Schefter the tweet was literally just uh, Texans trade DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson and I'm like (laughs) what in the world has happened because again the first tweet was they would have to be blown away and I'm like so a second round pick and a broken running back is what blew them away Like, at first, I was giving him credit. I'm like, hey, trade for David Johnson. Not a a bad idea. Maybe you can get something out of him. And then all hell broke loose.
1: It's crazy that 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 was the centerpiece of the trade, a second-round pick and a running back who you have to pay $10 million to this year. Yeah, I was Um, about to say. A running back who lost his job to Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds last season. Like he was the third string running back on that team by the end of the season, so that is crazy. I mean, and then you look at what Stephen Diggs netted. Stephen Diggs is, is a fantastic receiver, but he's a tier below Nuke Hopkins at least. Diggs gets a first round, first rounder, fifth rounder, sixth rounder, and a 2021 4th rounder. Like how does how does this how does this make any sense on the on the trade value chart of of Bill O'Brien? It doesn't. It's,
2: Okay, so I'm looking it up now. Uh, Guess how many running backs are gonna make more money this year than David Johnson?
0: I'm gonna say, well, Ezekiel Elliott, Ezekiel Elliott, and uh, and Derrick Henry.
2: No, no, Uh, more than David Johnson makes 11.15 million dollars. Todd Gurley just got released by the Rams. Le'Veon Bell makes $15.5 million and oh there's God. heavy talks that they're gonna like restructure his deal or trade him outright or do something with that. And then Ezekiel Elliott makes ten point nine. So if anything happens with the Le'Veon Bell contract, David Johnson is the highest paid running back in the NFL next year.
1: You know what the funniest part of this is? When uh when we were like in the chat uh, figuring out why they would make this trade, I'm like, they must really think uh, they could get CD Lamb cd Lamb, who's like nuke yeah, so junior funny. in the draft. <laughs> and then you're like, in the second round, and I'm like, oh my god, they don't have a first round pick. I completely forgot. Yeah,
2: and they don't have a first or second in 2021. He gets unreal. bonkers. Like what like yeah, because you said that, and I was like, oh, did they get a first round pick somewhere? And, and, <laughs> and
0: look, like, Regardless of if it's true, we have the Michael Irvin thing from yesterday where he went on get Up on ESPN and said that. Bill O'Brien called uh, DeAndre Hopkins into a meeting and said, well, the last time I had a meeting like this was with Aaron Hernandez. If you don't know who that is, Aaron Hernandez is a serial murderer. Um, Just, uh, why does he still have a job? I mean, I have been saying for like five years that he should be fired, and then more things keep happening, and, and the organization still holds on to him. Like, PFT commenter from Barstool had a great tweet the other day. He said... Man, I'm wondering if this will hurt the Texans, or maybe the Texans' window is closing of being the early Saturday wild card game on ESPN.
2: <laughs> that was really funny. I saw that one too. I- He's a just fraud. Like,
0: In his first two years, he he was dragged along by J.J. Watt. And then recently, he's been dragged along by Deshaun Watson and, and throwing what you will call the YOLO
1: bombs to Hopkins, who's no longer there, and Will Fuller. What's crazy is that, given him doing all of these terrible decisions— They've made it to the second round of the of the playoffs, like the last each of the last two years, and, right? and it makes you wonder, oh, no, the, like, how
0: many Super Bowls they would have won if, say, like Sean McVay was their coach.
1: No,
2: I know. I really think they probably would have won one. So, if you really want to find how valuable New Hopkins is, go back and look at the quarterbacks he's played with, uh, and that is. Just absolutely Tom, insane. Tom, T- T- Tom, yeah, Tom Savage, Tom Ryan. Savage. I'm
0: thinking Tom Savage, Ryan Mallett, Ryan Fitzpatrick, Brian mm-hmm. Hoyer, um, correct.
2: Oslyler. Deshaun
0: Watson, yep. Osweiler. 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 Did Brandon whedon ever play? Yes, yeah, of course. Uh, I, th- I can't think TJ of any. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, what an awful like, list. And, and Other than Watson, he, who's good? He, he had outside of his rookie year. uh <laughs> which he had 800 yards, so that's still pretty great. Uh, he's only failed to get 1,000 yards. Uh, sorry, he's only failed to get more than 1,150 yards once, and that was in 2016. Uh, the So from 2014, this is how his stats go. Uh, 1,210 yards, 1,521 yards, 954 yards, 1,378 yards, Fifteen hundred and seventy-two yards, eleven hundred and sixty-five yards. He's going to be twenty-eight years old. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, like it's
1: not like they traded Larry Fitzgerald who's on his last legs.
2: Yeah, it's. I like, mean,
1: this is in his prime. You can
2: you can sign him to and a five-year deal and probably never look back. Like, and probably you will have to extend him before the contract is over. Or I guess you could pull him into your office and call him Aaron Hernandez like and talk about, you know, his family. Like, I mean, if that's the way you wanna do this, but I mean, I, I let me let me say this. I don't wanna say anything bad about Bill O'Brien at all. I I am a huge fan of his work. Like (laughs) he has done, he has done more stuff. DeAndre Hopkins, yeah. As as a a Titans fan, yeah. yeah, Big big fan. Like I hope he like somehow steps up into a position of power with Colts or something. Like if he gets fired, (laughs) I hope he's their next like head coach, general manager, CEO, and like I, I don't know whatever other titles that you can have. Like he. Nobody builds a team like Bill Belichick back in, you know, the 90s and the early 2000s. And nobody destroys a team like Bill O'Brien in the 2010s, like absolute destruction.
0: My last thought is this. I have no problem inherently with the idea of a coach GM, because who better to pick players that the coach wants to use than the coach? And and so you have that sort of because it's just one person, you have that mental synchronicity. Now, granted, John Robinson and Mike Vrabel, I think, have that as two different people, but you know, there is something to be said about picking my own players that I'm going to be deploying. However, that is not something that an organization should do on a whim. Like, um, if you want that to happen, it can't just be like a like what the Texans did where it's like, well, we don't want to hire a general manager. Um, and so we're just going to make Bill O'Brien the general manager. Like you, it needs to be an intentional decision of like, we think that this will work and we think this guy is the right guy for the job. And that's why it's not working for the Texans. It's because they picked someone who is not qualified to do that.
2: Um, I want to say one more thing. Cause I just, I just saw it pop up. Um, this is from, P. Creighton, one, I, I, don't, I don't know, uh, a, a pretty well-known person in the Houston area, I guess. Uh, so they tweeted out 15 hours ago that uh, the Texans cap guy, the guy who runs their like who structures, their contracts and everything, uh, who was hired because they fired the guy before him for no apparent reason, kind of in that big, you know, sweep of changing ownership and trying to get as many of Phil O'Brien's guys in power as he could. Uh, he is trying to like act- actively leave because he's so frustrated with the way that uh, Bill O'Brien is running the team and by how teams are like how agents are like trying to force him to negotiate contracts because like if if nobody wants to go there, you have to give him a lot of money and you probably have to give him up front and it's like, it's completely going to ruin his job. So he's like actively trying to leave and they're in the middle of free agency. like, that that's like having a manager at Walmart who just decides they want to quit in the middle of like Black Friday. Like, it, it's like <laughs> this is their busiest time of year. This is their Super Bowl, and this guy cannot get out of town fast enough. So, just to just in case you weren't you know completely sure that everybody in the organization hates him, it is both the coach and the GM that uh, the the people in that organization hate.
1: I mean, Brutal. maybe Nick Casario will, will still want to go there. <laughs> that smoking <laughs> husk of the Houston Texans. <laughs> well, uh, well,
0: we'll be back soon to update everyone on further free agency news because I'm sure you know the Titans aren't done with just simply signing Vic Beasley. So we'll keep everyone informed. Usually we, we release every Wednesday. It's hard to do that with free agency because it's so unpredictable. You don't know when the news is going to come. So just stay tuned to the feed again, subscribe and follow the show to get updates whenever the new stuff comes out and follow us on social media. Uh, For Matias and Will, though, I am Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense and to stay safe and healthy throughout this global pandemic. We will see everyone next time.
2: You know how to book
0: flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator